if if you as a frontline manager are like in on every deal, you're gonna fail. You can't be everywhere, right? You can't be on every deal. You can't manage everything. You have to teach. You have to teach people how to how to do the job, right? So you're a doer, and now you move into frontline manager, and you have to teach people how to do. And then in the second level, you have to teach the people on how to teach people how to do. And there's a really fine line between no leash, right, or, or not enough, and too much, and you know, knowing when and where you need to lean in to help them. Uh, I, th I think it's kind of like selling. If you ask a lot of questions and really get a sense of where they're at, it only helps you navigate the conversation versus making an assumption like you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you didn't even ask me what was going on, right? And in today's modern workplace, I think those facilitated conversations end up having a lot of value. Hello, my friends. My name is Dwayne Default, and I'm extremely grateful to bring you an inspiring message from one of our fellow leaders. I believe that we can all be better leaders, and no matter what, it's our responsibility to take ownership of that journey. If you get value from today's episode, and since we all need an inspiring message from time to time, please share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on LinkedIn or any of the other social media platforms so we can spread the word on what it's like to be a leader in today's sales environment. Now let's get to today's episode. Please listen closely, maybe even take some notes so you can remember these lessons of leadership. Thanks again for listening. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Sales Leader Network. And today I'm excited because I, I get to actually interview one of my old sales managers. And so today we have Aaron Farrell on the podcast and I never do it justice. So Aaron, why don't you kind of give the audience a little bit of a um, an overview of you know where you've come from, how you've kind of progressed in your leadership career, and some of the things you've learned along the way. Yeah, absolutely, Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. I love always having the opportunity to connect with colleagues and see this project that you're taking on and something that that's really needed because I think most sales leaders that are on watching this will identify with the statement that there's really often not a real training or onboarding program mm -hmm. at the leadership level. And so, um, you know, my name is Aaron Farrell. I'm currently the director of sales development at Power School. And, I, you know, I, my career in sales started, let's see, a little over 11 years ago. And it was a transition for me out of a background in recreation administration, where I was basically the youth and adult sports guy in your community, right? So all the kids' programs and things of that nature. And, you know, when I started to have kids of my own and, and started to think bigger and differently about my relationship with money, uh, I knew I wanted to get into things where I had more control over my outcome and more control over what my earning potential was. And I was fortunate enough to have a mutual friend that turned me on to a company in Chico, California called Build.com, which is where I met Dwayne. Yeah. And, you know, my career kind of grows from there. I mean, it's been eight years at Build.com and you know, we'll, we'll dive into, we can dive into more of the interesting career path that, that <laughs> happened for me there. Cause I think there's a lot of lessons um, in that, that I can share with your audience. And then from there, I transitioned into um, SaaS sales. Really while I was at build.com, I, I became very familiar with the SaaS model. I'd been to Dreamforce a few times, the strategic selling element that is in SaaS, the stage progression, how we look at opportunities was exciting. And when I had the opportunity to join power school, you know, Folsom being a great community uh, for my kids and wife, I, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the 10,000 foot like view of like, okay, so what is, 
what does this overall career uh, look like? But I think your first question was, what are like the leadership takeaways, right? Yeah, like what I want to do some broad strokes there. Yeah, like what has been some of the things you've learned in, in any of it? Could be build, it could be power school, but like, is there something that has kind of always held true for you when it comes to leadership? So leadership today to me is very different than what I thought it was. <laughs> when I started and I, I was in a leadership role at, 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 uh, in my recreation mm-hmm. career too. And, and again, my perception of leadership was like command and presence and, you know, words and, and things of that nature, right. Being tough. And, yeah. You know, that, that's like this paradigm that you build and you, you build it, I think off of people that you, you know, have as leaders in your, in your life and, and obviously there's like, oh, I don't respect that person for X, Y, and Z, or eh, I think this leader should do something different. But my my this paradigm I had built for myself, you know, truly over time is is has evolved um significantly to where I'm at today. And I, I think like my takeaways, like my basic takeaways are, you know, number one, you know, really meeting your people on your team where they are. It's number one. Um, everybody needs something a little bit different in terms of their development. And truly being like committed to what their career path is, right? Where they want to go. Uh, I think that that's one of the things in sales. Like we all know we have a number. Like it's that's not going away. So how do you move past that and make sure the person on the other end feels like they're more than a number? It's already a given. Where they get into sales to to win. They don't yeah. get into sales to to not have a quota and not win. Yeah. So how as a manager do you make sure that that they know that you're there for them and in their best interest? And so that was that's number one. Um, that's evolved over, over the years. Um, you know, number, number two, the value of really direct tough feedback. Mm. Uh, my biggest areas of growth in my life have come from very difficult conversations with leaders and it doesn't happen very often. Mm. So for, for you sales leaders that are on this call, mm-hmm. ask yourself how many times in a one-on-one were you not prepared and you were busy doing other things and you, one of your, let's just say above average to good reps comes into the one-on-one and you're talking and you just, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, you're doing a great job, you know, appreciate all your hard work and off they go. What does that really tell the person on the other end? Like they don't feel bad walking out of that conversation, but you really didn't do anything to help them grow. You weren't prepared. You were busy as a leader juggling 52 things. And so that gets exponentially larger when you move into leadership, your VPs, or your C levels are even busier navigating the business. And so as a first time leader, like no one's like watching how I manage the team to tell me you're doing this right or doing this wrong. Yeah, I'm not getting that feedback. And so you learn, you have to kind of seek it out, right? As, as a leader, you have to seek it out. So where I'm going with that is like, I was fortunate to have a couple pieces of really tough feedback that helped me grow along the way. The first piece of, of really tough feedback um, that I learned along the way was in second level leadership that every level in your organization is important to connect with and spend time with. Mm-hmm. And I realized I hadn't been doing that. I'd been doing that with my managers, but not with my reps enough. Mm-hmm. And so they're disconnected, right, from this, you know, my role and, and didn't know I cared, I mean, about them as people. And so when you're making decisions or taking your company in a certain direction or your division in a certain direction, and they're not connected to you, 
they don't trust that direction. Hmm. They don't know you. Um, so if you're second line, you know, level leader, that 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 piece of feedback might might resonate more with you is like how important it is to stay connected. And that does not mean I'm teaching them how to close deals and do yeah. that. That's my manager's job. Yeah. Um, but I implemented a practice at, at, at power school off of this aha, right. That I meet with my reps once a quarter. Now at, at the size of my team, I can scale and do that. I have like 35 folks. It's a stretch to meet with each of them for 30 minutes, but I do it. It's one of the best things that I've done. We talk about their career path. We talk about their obstacles. They, you know, know from my lens, like I'm trying to help them get where they need to go. And if there's tough feedback that needs to be delivered and that, I don't mind doing that. But typically those are, you know, again, just connection conversations. So that was one piece of really tough feedback. And I had to seek that out. I had to ask, like, why are we struggling um, at, at build.com with, you know, people being disrupted or disrupted in their work? Like, where are we going wrong? He's had advice was you got to stay connected. Hmm. And so from there, I started to think about, okay, so how can I do that to scale? In that particular business with 100 people at the time, it, we had to, I had to form like committees, right? I had to meet with like 10 or 12 people at once and really make sure that their suggestions were heard. And then I delivered on their suggestions, right? Or told them that we can't do this and give them a voice. And then they needed to see me act on that. And that started to change the dynamic once I did that. Um, and then the, the last one that really comes to mind in terms of tough feedback was um, I was really focused on the people development side. In fact, if you look, like looked at my career path, there's a lot of like, oh, built this training or built this progression program or yeah. did this, that, or the other. And what I was really missing was a true, and I think it's just because I, you know, living in data isn't fun. Like, yeah. So, but as a business leader, a sales leader, you, you need to know and know how to analyze your business. Like, are we tracking? Are we not tracking? And yeah. if we're not tracking, why are we not tracking there? Yeah. And how can we fix it? And um, I was so pissed when uh, this particular sales leader gave me this feedback. Like, he just didn't think I was capable. Hmm. And I'm a little, I get a little red assed in those situations. So. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Shit, I am. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and so I was a little obstinate. I, I think my comment at the time was like, I, I think you, if you spent time working with me, I think you'd be pretty impressed with what I could pick up. I said, I just, this was not a priority of mine and certainly was not a priority for um, the person I was reporting to, yeah. to have me have this like really strong analytical skill set. It just wasn't, she needed me to be more on the people development side of things. But the point after being removed from it for a bit was really solvent. It was like, there was no reason why I shouldn't. I'd been in this you know, job for several years why wasn't I developing this clear Achilles heel hmm. for me? And he didn't have to say that feedback. He's my boss as boss. He didn't have to give me that, that feedback. And he was disconnected from me. It's not like we worked together. So yeah. do you know what I mean? When someone gives you feedback and you're disconnected, yeah, you're, like, how, just been, you're like, where, where is this coming from? You don't, yeah, you don't like, or, 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 you know, screw this guy. Right. Yep. He doesn't know me. Yeah. And that was my reaction. And then I challenged myself. I really started to think about it. I was like, no, he is right. Like I, at my point in my career, I needed to have a better analytical command of my business. So I was like, I'm not, I'm going to make sure that I do that. So I learned how to do pivot tables. Yeah. Um, I learned, I, I did have an understanding of how to build a report in Salesforce. And so I really got good at building reports at the Salesforce and converting them into pivot tables and then slicing the data to look at it from a few different angles to yeah. look at quarter over quarter, year over year, yeah. um, certain product lines, you know, 
call volumes, things of that nature, right? Yeah, trends, input like metrics will lead to your output. Look, so, being able to see the patterns. Yes. Uh, so I'm, you know, our discussion was like, what did you learn from a, from, you know, the, the leadership, you know, perspective over the years is that tough feedback is the key to growth. You have to be willing to tell your leaders. I'm gonna get to a story in a moment. You're gonna be willing to tell your reps something tough because let's be very clear. You're on this podcast because you want to be successful and you want to get better. So if you were successful as a rep and you moved into this role, you probably were successful because you could challenge your prospects mm -hmm. and ask the tough questions to, to flush out the hidden objections or to flush out the hidden person who wants the other competitor. If you don't ask those tough questions on those calls as a sales rep, you're not going to be successful. So if you can't deliver tough feedback to your managers or tough feedback to your reps, how are they going to possibly be successful in their job? Yeah, It's not going to happen. They're not going to close business um, at a higher rate than they should. A lot of you that are on this call, you have a great product. So you sell, you know, marketing delivers the lead. Someone's raised their hand. I want to buy this. You're closing sales. And like, everybody's like, woo, we're closing yeah. sales. Like, well, you should close those ones. <laughs> and that might be enough to get you to number short term. But over the course of time, you have to be able to ask the difficult questions. And ergo, as a leader, have the difficult conversations in order to help people grow. And if you're not sure how to have those, you know, again, experience helps. Go get mentors. Mm -hmm. That, that have had those and ask specifically, Dwayne, I need to know about a few, just tell me a few stories of difficult conversations that you had so I can formulate an idea in my mind like how I can approach that. And then you're going to get skid marks on your knees and elbows because you're going to miss a word and it's not going to react well. And of course, they're not going to like you telling them that they're failing. Yeah. But in the over the long haul, again, if you build rapport and trust, they will know that it is for their benefit. Yeah. You know, so... Um, related story. And then, you know, I think we can kind of move the conversation in their direction. So I had an employee of mine today. She's a manager and we worked together when, when I was a manager and she was a rep and I'm a director and she's one of my managers and, uh, she's leaving our business today mm. and going into another exciting chapter of her career at another company. And there was once a point in time where I inherited her on my team at, and this is a power school. Mm. And old Aaron, like pre some of these lessons, yeah. I don't think would have had the tough conversation that needed to happen when I knew an employee wasn't doing what they needed to do. And so let's, let's roll back the clock with this employee who remained unnamed and she transfers to my team and is in a territory where she is struggling. It's a Northeast territory. Mm. She is struggling to get traction. And I figured out quickly two things. One is she was resistant to feedback just because of some scar tissue from the past. And yeah. I hadn't built a lot of trust and rapport. And so she wasn't taking feedback really well. On top of that, her personality really didn't mesh with the territory, in my opinion and estimation, listening to the phone calls or weekly one-on-ones and talking and all of that. And so she's massively underperforming in a territory that's key for the company yeah. and my team. Yeah. And I know what I have to do. I have to move for territories if I'm going to have any chance or, and yes, risk losing her mm -hmm. because she's already a little disruptive and not feeling that trust and rapport built yet. And we had to sit down and have a really difficult conversation about where she was at, what she was not doing well and what I needed her to do. And that as a result, I'm moving her into a territory that she can be more successful in. 
in my opinion, and we will work together to get her there. Now, she did, what she didn't really know, because we hadn't worked together long enough, was how much respect I had for her as a professional. And I knew that her frustrations and lack of coaching and willingness was not me. It was previous stuff. But again, as a business leader, I don't have the luxury of sitting and just hoping that she figures it out. I have to take an action. And so we have this very difficult come to Jesus conversation. And I can tell it's not going well on her end. (laughs) She's crying or, or at least misty on the verge of tears being told that she's failing. Yeah. So why am I telling that story? Well, here's what happened after. She had a gut check moment after she got past the anger of it and realized that she needed to make some changes in the way she approached her job. We became a very dynamic manager and sales rep partner partnership. Yeah. She pushed me, I pushed her. Because she had a lot of skills. Remember, I said I respected her as a professional. There were things she taught me and pushed me on. Yeah. And she became highly successful in her territory. She became my best rep. I promoted her to senior account executive. She then wanted to work on leadership skill set. So we started working on that. And I gave her situations and gave her you know, nameless situations of personnel stuff so she can learn yeah. how to handle certain personnel things. We then, I asked her to, to give peers tough feedback. I said, if you can give a peer tough feedback and help them grow, they don't need to know what it's for. I'm like, but if you're trying to work on your leadership skill set, go have a tough conversation with a peer and tell them something that they aren't ready to hear and, and feel what that's like, yeah. right? And then we would talk about that in our one-on-ones. And so when I moved from closing a sales manager into the director of sales development role, you know, we talked a lot about like, you know, you knew you want to be in leadership, but have you thought about like what will get you excited? Yeah. So she ends up coming to work for me over there was a phenomenal manager for us for a year, like did a phenomenal job with her business unit. And she was just ready for a new challenge. She'd been at power school for I think five years, four or five years. Yeah. And so we got to celebrate her today. Uh, it was very emotional for me. I didn't realize that it was going to be just saying goodbye. And, and the reason why I was emotional was it didn't all have to be rainbows and butterflies to, to, to help somebody on their journey. Obviously she has to walk through those doors. I just have to open the door, yeah. make the challenging statement, make the challenging question, push her for what is her benefit. And, and if, if she had decided, right, that power school wasn't for her, when we had that tough conversation, she left the business, it would have been sad because I said it could have been something different. I would have gone out and I would have found somebody yeah. else who maybe would have been better equipped for the opportunity. But the truth is she faced that tough, tough conversation, looked herself in the mirror and said, I need to make change. And then as a result, not only did she make my account management team better, herself successful, make more money. She parlayed that into a management role, went in and has now impacted 10, you know, to 12 reps, if not more in my division, not just on her team, but people in the division that she has helped. And that has allowed her to springboard into a career opportunity beyond power school. And we will remain connected and, and be colleagues. And so as we said goodbye to her today, what I told the team, you know, I'll choke him back tears is this is why we do this work. This example of failing and finding a way together to get through it. And I would have been prepared to cut bait if I had to, and, that, and it would have been heartbreaking, but that conversation had to happen for her to go on this trajectory. Then she did all the work from there, yeah. right? I started it, but then she did the rest of the work. And so we were able to celebrate her today and it was a great thing. That's amazing. I, there needs to be more of that perspective in sales leadership. It's, it's almost like 
a lot of sales managers or just managers, leaders in a business in general, doesn't have to be sales. Is like, there's that fear from the manager's perspective about having that tough conversation. What do you think keeps people from having, like, I don't even like to call it tough conversation. I just call it direct conversations because sometimes it's not tough, but it's, it's necessary feedback for people to progress. But what do you think blocks people from being able to sit in that moment? That's a, a, I mean, a great question because I hope there's people on the podcast when you ask that are like, Ooh, you know, because <laughs> this is something everybody wants to know. Yeah. It can be a couple things, I think. One is when we get too close relationally mm-hmm. with our employees, we tend to accept their excuses mm-hmm. rather than challenge them because we trust them, right? We've, we've, and we, and again, many of you on this podcast are going to be, in a variety of situations, maybe you're in a startup where you got promoted to leader, but you worked as a rep with all of these other people. So how do you go in and have tough conversations with people you sat next to? Yeah. And and they're like, well, yeah, you know, Aaron, the comp plan is crap. Yeah. And and you're like, yeah, the comp plan is crap. Well, what did I just do? If I make a statement like that, I just de-edified leadership, right? That's not healthy. But if I also go in and be like, you know, I'm the leader now and now I'm, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm like pointing the finger at the rep. They're like, oh, this guy is now, right. you know, on that side, Your right? Credibility is like instantly gone and they don't care. Right. So where am I going with that? When you're considering a move into leadership, you as the prospective leader needs to ask yourself, am I moving into leadership in a position that I can be successful in? Have I built too close a relationship with my team and it's not healthy for me to manage them? Because when businesses are scaling, you're going, if you're great at what you do, you're going to get asked, Hey, we have this opportunity. We think you'd be great for it. And of course you're like, I want my career to do this. So I I want, yes, sign me up for that. But meanwhile, you didn't look at what's the management structure look like? Who are you reporting to? What support resources do you have? How close are you with these people? Is that healthy for you? Is that healthy for them? Are you really prepared to have tough conversations? Like, do you even know how you'd have a tough conversation with the, the person you've been best friends with peer to peer? Probably not. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one reason. And, and we, I'll do a little bit of storytelling there too. Cause I think one of the things that, you know, you've experienced with me is like this really weird career path that was like <laughs> all over and I'll get, I'll get into that. I'll get into that. And then I think the second reason why they struggle to have these tough conversations is again, our innate desire as leaders, as we get into leadership for coaching and development. We want to help people. Yeah. We want to help teach them what we know. And it's the soft stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And we want to, I don't care. Everybody wants to be liked. Yeah. And, and people that like come across as don't wanting to be liked or in a kind of a different category. <laughs> um, <laughs> we kind of put them in a different category. And, and, you know, as you grow in leadership, you know, like there's a balance. Respected is more important than being liked. Yeah. But morale matters, right? So you, you, I think as you evolve, you learn the balance. But in those in the instant moments, right, where you're, you're like, ah, I know what I should say, but I can't say it because I'm afraid of the reaction. That's truly what it boils down to. And you can deliver a tough statement to someone and follow it up with, this is the reason why I'm making the statement. This is how it's going to help you. You may not want to hear that today. Yes. But I'm going to be here with you every step of the way to help you work on this thing. But I want to be very clear. You have to work on this thing. This thing has to be fixed. Yeah. You cannot go into, I'll just, you cannot go into a quarterly business review and make a broad, vague, general statement about a problem 
without any solutions. Like all that tells me is you don't really know your business and you're not even thinking about ways to fix something. And I expect you to do that. You're on with the entire company. Like we, we don't jump out and turn to the entire company and make a statement without some sort of context and solution to that problem. So if you struggled to hit quota, which you know is not acceptable, what's the plan? I'll work with you on the plan. I, I, I made myself available. I said, hey, set up some office hours with me. We'll, we'll talk about your quarterly business plan. You didn't do that. And then you went in front of the entire company and delivered a really vague message. Like, there's things like that where they don't want to hear that, mm-hmm. but they need to hear that. Yeah. They, they, need, to, they need to hear that feedback. Um, so I, I told you I'd talk a little bit about that weird, wonky career path thing and like how to set yourself up for success. And, yeah, yeah. Because you were down that rabbit hole, right? Down that rabbit yeah, because like it's the the perspective that you have from both the per, like individual contributor and the manager is an interesting one because a lot of people don't have the career path that you did. Because if I remember correctly, you were in sales leadership and then you went back into an individual contributor and then back into sales leadership. And even then, didn't you? I think you went back into producing and then back. So you went back and forth a couple of times, just just yeah, in the few so- years that you were at Built. So, yeah, individual contributor, frontline manager, mm-hmm. back to individual contributor, mm-hmm. over to individual contributor on B2B side, yeah. into a leadership role on B2B side, and then into a, a second level manager role on B2B side. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, it was, it was quite a path. And, and, you know, most, so, so here's what ended up happening, right? I, I, I got, again, I, I talked to, talk a little bit about paradigms of leadership. Obviously it grows over time and I yeah. think you learn a lot. The more you open yourself up to learning, the more you learn. 100%. And of course I thought I was hot shit, right? Like oh, man, <laughs> we I, all did. I've managed people before. <laughs> well, I mean, I come in this company, right. And I'm like, I'm, I'm older. Right. Yeah. And I've managed people and I'm, I'm good at selling. And I just, not that I was boastful. I don't think people around me would have said like, Oh, Aaron's this big egomaniac, but in my own mind, I'm like, yeah. I got this. Yeah. And so I'm asked to, to go into a front level frontline leadership position and I want to help people and help people. Like, yeah, I can do that. What I didn't think about was the, the management style of the people I'd go work for. What, how were they invested in my growth? What would my job satisfaction feel like being in, in this role? I just, there's questions I was not equipped at that age yeah. to answer. And certainly when I talk about mentorship, I don't think I had yet surrounded myself with other professionals let's say as frontline managers to even ask that question to. I'm still I'm in my, my I think 33, 34, 35, and I'm just not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. And those would have all been really important things to, to ask because what would have happened is I would have realized in my life situation, I have two young kids, I've made a career transition, I'm coaching high school basketball yeah. outside of work, yeah. so I'm incredibly busy. Do I really have the capacity to take on a leadership role, knowing that what that entails, and did I really know what that entailed? I don't think I was really honest with myself of what my capacity was. So what happened was, I was doing the job, but I was stretched on capacity. And as the company needed more from their leadership, it was breaking me and creating a lot of frustration. And I didn't see eye to eye with the people I was reporting to. And there's a appropriate level of dis- discord, right? You should challenge each other. Yeah. But it had gotten to the point where like it was impacting my, my day to day. And so in a kind of a boil over moment, I realized like, I can't do this anymore yeah. right now. I just, I'm, I'm not sleeping. My kids are, you know, I just need to folk be able to focus on me. Yeah. 
and I'd asked to move back into an individual contributor role, knowing again, my heart and passion was for leadership, but like I needed to sort some shit out mm. in my own life um, and kind of figure out why I was failing, right? Like, why was I so, I didn't know why I was frustrated and you just go into work and I'm trying to yeah. have a good attitude, but then every day I'm in and I'm frustrated. So fortunately, I, I, they allowed me to do that because I handled it the right way. And it, life got easy. I was like 265 pounds at the time. So I lost 40 pounds because mm-hmm. I could now go work out and get my life together. And I, I started to realize these ahas about, man, I really should have thought about who I was going to work for, what the circumstance was like, what did the business need from this leadership seat? Yeah. I didn't ask those questions. Mm-hmm. And if I had asked those questions, I would have known that, yeah, this is not the right time for me. I want to progress in my career, but this is not the right time or the right opportunity for me. And being okay with Um, that as the individual, uh, it's, it's, it's accepting that answer that comes from within that I've struggled with too. Like using that set of criteria going into a new situation and being, being okay and understanding that it's okay. That's not right now that even, even though this may be the next step in your career, it needs to align with where you're at in life too. And I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with that or are afraid to ask that question because they feel like they should be doing that. And they, and they think that right. by, by not going in that direction, they're failing in reality. It's it, if you would have stayed, like what, what would happen if you would have stayed in that? In the leadership role? Yeah. Probably would have lost my job because I would have lost my shit <laughs> unprofessionally yeah. in front of other people. Yeah. It was already you know, starting to happen. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I just, it's just not acceptable. Like yeah. I can't do that. And uh, you know, it was, it was the right move at the right time. And I just knew, okay, maybe it won't be at this at bill.com. I said, but it's someday I'll, I'll get back into leadership, but I need to like grow up. There's yeah. no reason why I should be, when I looked back at the things that were frustrating me, like, that should not happen. So I, I started to learn about, okay, you can't be so emotionally invested in the business that you can't put your business hat on. Yeah. And, and different leaders are going to have different business opinions. Mm-hmm. And I needed to, to grow better in my understanding and respect of different, different difference of opinion, right? And how to have and navigate those conversations yeah. if I was going to be an effective leader. And, and so I had a better idea in, in my head whenever that opportunity arise, how I'd handle it. And, and I, I think I did. I went in when I ended up over in the B2B segment had a better idea of like how to conduct myself, how to handle myself. And, you know, and the support structure I had from my leader at the time was good. Mm. Uh, I think what he needed from me and what I was looking for was very much in alignment. And so I flourished mm. in that environment. Uh, and what do you think was different going into that situation? Was it like your level of communication understanding or was the business itself more mature to handle a certain type of leader? I know. Well, I don't know. I don't feel like our, our business was very mature, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Yeah. And, but I, what I do think is, again, my, my boss had a vision for what the business needed. Like there was an opportunity mm. to build something new. And I, what I've learned about myself even more so now is I love building. Mm. I might be now adequate at managing and incremental steps, but I love to build. When I was a kid, I loved to build Legos. Yeah. I used to build these elaborate like transformer with Lego with GI Joe, like these big, like just I'd play in my room by myself. I'd have these big panoramic like type of things. Like I, my brain 
and see how to build something. So when it was the task at hand was we need to build and scale out a B2B business, not only it was like, well, we are not going to recruit externally. It doesn't work well. We need to build this career pathing internally. Yeah. We need to build this development program. We need to teach younger people about business. Mm -hmm. So we created a whole training program that helped people grow and progress and keep people in the company. And it was very successful. Uh, and then challenges shifted, right? And where, again, I wasn't as well prepared for the management of the size and scale. Mm -hmm. uh, I had not really managed leaders before. Tons of ahas about that before <laughs> coming to power. So at the at tail end at build.com, like, wow, like managing leaders is so much more complex than I ever thought. Interesting. Because your leaders are so driven to grow. Yeah. And how you feed them and then also support them. It's really important. So I almost was allowing them to be too autonomous, thinking I don't want to micromanage. I want to make sure they can go spread their wings. But they're like, I've never lead, I've never led people before. Yeah. Uh, and I needed to be more involved in helping to teach them how to lead. Not not the tactical X's and O's, but yeah. how to lead people and how to handle tough conversations and ask them about their employees and really learning how to ask for their opinion, yeah. right? And ask for their input. Um, what do you think the so, most effective strategy was in that? Like that since it wasn't tactical X's and O's, like what ended up kind of being that primary aha moment for you when it came to managing other leaders? Well, my leaders were on a kind of survey, I think just kind of frustrated. And I was like, Oh my God, like I wouldn't have thought my leaders would in an anonymous survey, right. Report a lot of frustrations. Cause I'm thinking I'm doing everything right. I'm meeting with them. I'm, they know I, they know I care about like, I'm thinking of this and like the reality of it was very different hmm. and it created some, you know, difficult conversations of like, Hey, you know, I, I've gotten this feedback. It's anonymous, but I want to open the floor here. Like how, how can I help you? Because I, I think the way I thought I was helping you clearly isn't what's truly helping you. Um, and they didn't feel like they had enough of a voice. That was part of it. They didn't feel like I, kind of going back to the connection thing, like I was yeah. as available as they needed me to be. Again, for a new leader, you need that umbilical cord a little bit. Yeah. And we're thinking, again, if you think of, okay, well, I, I got to second level leadership a little bit by being independent, mm -hmm. but not everybody's like that. Yeah. And not every leader is ready for that. Like, obviously I had now led different teams at different times. So yeah, maybe I was more equipped, but not everybody had, I, I wish I had had a more involved leader when I first started into leadership at, at uh, the rec district. And then I wish that I had a more caring and attentive leader when I moved into leadership at, at build.com. Yeah. She's a great human, but just not a very attentive leader, very much like all micromanagement, all about like numbers and are these people not on the phones and this and the other, not about like me and my development. She cared yeah. about my personal life, but not about me as a, as a professional. So uh, I, I think those difficult conversations were really eye-opening because I really did care and I really wanted my leaders to grow and I was failing and I didn't know why, but I, I began to learn through that process. And even after transitioning out, reflecting on, on things I needed to do differently was very helpful. Yeah, that's great. And the, the feedback part from the team, um, like that's a, the whole topic of this conversation today has just been about the tough conversations and feedback. And like, for me, it was always hard getting feedback. I mean, shit, it's still hard to get feedback sometimes because it feels like they're almost, it's almost like attacking you that 
all they're doing is telling telling you that you're wrong. And for me in my early days, it was I look back now and it got such an ego in that situation. I was trying to come in and just I just wanted people to do what I asked them to do. I was getting confused between the golden rule and like the platinum rule type of cliche sayings of like, well, if I, 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 I wanted to be managed this way when I was in your role and I executed this way when I was in your role and I had no sense of figure out how they want to be run. That just was gone out of my mind. No idea. I had nothing pointed me in that direction. So every little piece of feedback that didn't agree with what I was trying to do was like blasphemy. And like, it was like, I think back now about some of the frustrations I had, like one day I'll never, I'll never forget. I was sneezing in the office <laughs> a lot and I had a whole bunch of stuff to do that day and I was told to leave. But like, and I was offended. I'm like, I, I need to be here. I have to do this. I am so important. Me, 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 me. And they didn't say I couldn't do it from home, but it was like, I needed to be that person for that team and that day the whole time and I had zero concept of well what do they actually need from me and and how am I getting that information and a lot of the the sales leaders that I work with now there's like that disconnect of you're not there to instill your capabilities and your skill sets on them like you're there to help them connect their own dots and help right. them figure out what works for them and then once they figure that out, give them the rope, give them the, the longer leash to go and fail and execute and learn. Because if you're the manager that's only letting them do the things that you tell them to do, you will forever be the bottleneck and you'll constantly have frustrated leaders. Like that's, that was yeah. been one of my biggest learning aha moments in, in my entire leadership career. It's just that right there. It's like, you're not there to just duplicate yourself in other people. It's just get out of the way and help them realize they have their own strengths and then figure out how to help them do that. Yeah, that's a the scalability piece, right? Of yeah. If if you as a frontline manager are like in on every deal, mm -hmm. you're going to fail. You can't be everywhere, right? Yeah. You can't be on every deal, you can't manage everything. You have to teach you have to teach people how to how to do the job, right? Yeah. So you're a doer and now you move into frontline manager and you have to teach people how to do and then in the second level you have to teach the people on how to teach yeah. people how to do. And there's a really fine line between no leash, right? Or, mm -hmm. or not enough and too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing when and where you need to lean in to help them. Uh, I, th I think it's kind of like selling. If you ask a lot of questions and really get a sense of where they're at, it only helps you navigate the conversation versus yeah. making an assumption like you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you didn't even ask me. Mm -hmm what was going on, right? And in today's modern workplace, I think those facilitated conversations end up having a lot of value. Yeah, it's like you said in the very beginning of the conversation, making that transition from individual contributor sales rep into manager, it's like we we would never just dictate the conversation with a prospect. We, we want to ask and be curious and help our prospect connect the dots on their end so they can see the value and the benefits. And I see way too many sales managers, frontline directors that kind of lose that. They lose that curiosity factor when it comes to their team. It's, it's, I, when I learned that it was almost by accident because I started traveling a lot and I had to leave the team and I would get off of a plane in my Slack, my emails would just be blown up. And it's like, 
I, I need to figure out how to get them to do things on their own. So it was almost like I need to figure out how to be like a lazy leader and help them come to the conclusion on their own. And that ended up having such a 10 X return on all that. It's just like, if you're in management at any level, you, you, if anything, you need to get more curious. You need to ask more questions for your team and really help guide them in that direction rather than again, just handing them the blueprint instructions on how to do it. Just teach them how to think and how to execute on their own rather than them needing you for everything. Right. I mean, I think that you don't want to give them the, the like finger of go, go here, right. They asked for helping out, like, go here. You're better off helping them. And then be like in the future, check here first. I'm super busy. I don't want you to feel ignored Yep. and I'll help you if need be, but let's go these places first. Cause you'll just get a faster answer and you're probably gonna get something more relevant. Yeah. You know, do people do get in the habit of like, oh, I'm looking for something. I don't quite find it in two seconds and I'm going to go ask my manager. Yeah. And you're right. There's a million slacks and that's yeah. not a fact. Like, yeah. Ask your colleague. Yeah. Like, you're going to just Google if it. That's really what, yeah, just Google it. Right. <laughs> like, but I mean, if you tell people just Google it, they're like, dude, Dwayne doesn't care. Aaron doesn't yeah. care about, you know, help that he says he wants to help me, but then I ask for help and then he's like shutting me down and make me feel stupid. Yeah. And so they're there. You have to figure, like you have to figure out, and again, build, this is where it goes back to connecting with people in your organization. If you build the trust, when yeah. you then explain it, mm -hmm. they get it. If you haven't built that bridge, then yeah, you telling them to go Google it is like, like a slap in the face, basically an <laughs> F you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's, it's one of the things I love about leadership at any level is it's always evolving. It's like, cause I have that same itch to always build things i'm not i'm not like the process manager where I, I could never go into a very like a large business that's got a team of like 100 sales reps and i'm in charge of making sure that they stay on plan and do all that stuff and that's all i do like i, I would constantly need to be doing something to build things create things or whatever it is and one of the things i love about leadership is that it's it's always kind of like that you're always if you turn it into that curiosity game of like, what else can I learn about this person? How else can I help them and drive them forward to whatever they're doing? And that's one of the things I love about leadership is having that connection, that building that trust and relationship with them to, to help them on such a specific level to where, like I was, I was helping someone yesterday. I'm like, how can you get to the point with this particular person where you can send them one message and they know what to do and it drives them forward? how are you as a sales leader connecting with your people at such a level that you know how they tick and you can go from one meeting to the next meeting and be able to understand exactly what drives that person. Because until you do that, if you just tell them to Google something, they're just exactly like you said, it's a big F you. Um, yeah. And, and so we're, we're kind of getting up on time here and we, I feel like we can talk a lot about that stuff, but like with your experience and backgrounds and all the things that you've done between coaching basketball teams and different levels of leadership. Like how did you come to the realization to be the way you are? Like what, what led you to having this type of mindset? Um, from my, I think from an early age and going into going back to high school, um, you know, I'm cross country. I'm not cross country owner, by the way, but I got most inspirational. I got most inspirational on the basketball team always 
felt really led to to help others and be a servant leader. So like that at the at the nature of my harmony, right, is doing something for someone else to help them, right? And I was back then at a very early age. And so I think part of that was like at an early age observing like leaders that were not very effective. So like, oh, this coach is like yelling at me all the time and I'm already giving max effort. This is not helping me. Yeah. Teach me something. Don't yell at me. And so I wanted to 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 change that, right? I wanted to become a basketball coach because I wanted to give athletes a more constructive experience. That was my solution to that. That's how I got into coaching, right? It was yeah. this experience I'd had in wanting to change that. And I think the same is true for sales leadership is I just had this belief that I could build a structure of accountability and success without it being micromanagement on the number of phone calls you're making and where's your talk time at. And like, I had to figure out how to do that, but there was this, I had this vision, right. Of the type of leader I could become. It just took time. It took time to work at it. I had to read books. I had to ask, I had to start to get mentors uh, and take mentorship conversations and not mentors that were like just this person I knew, but like someone in a, in a role and just ask them, this is what I'm looking for. Would you be open to being one of my mentors? I'll bring an agenda to this 30 minute meeting. It can go in a number of ways. I I don't want to waste your time. I want you to know I'm serious about it. Right. But I didn't have that from day one. That was like failing forward um, in order, in order to get there. So I just, I, I did have that natural like personality gravitation, but I, I hadn't worked at it. And now I'm actively working at that skill set and trying and asking for feedback a lot. Um, And then always just showing that I'm invested in other people's success, but I will not tolerate failure. I'm going to give you all the tools to be successful. And I'm going to ask you if you have what you need to be successful. And when you answer yes, I'm going to hold you accountable to the performance. There's not been one person in the sales development organization who's come in and if they have the work ethic and the focus has not been successful because we do a great job providing them the tools. Mm. What did I learn? I learned over the years, it's not just a matter of training and onboarding. Like the first few weeks, you have to commit to it for 90 days. And then after that, you have to continue to look for opportunities to show them that you're invested in their career pathing and growth. No one goes and works at a company because they want to work in an entry level job, most likely <laughs> in, in technology. They usually get attracted to the product or the mission or the vision. Yeah. So, you can't bring a great human into an organization and just treat them like everybody else because they'll go find a company who's willing to do that. Yeah. So um, it just took a while. As all I'd say is the talent was there right in that way, but talent unfocused and talent undeveloped yeah. is just like a sport. We see this in sports all the time or any skill people have talent, but if it's not constantly worked on and cultivated, you don't grow um, to, to maximize your potential. So I couldn't agree more. I feel that a lot of people don't have the necessary guidance from a leader that gives a damn. They come in, they're hungry. They want to do something with their lives and they just become a number. And then they, I've, I see that, like that flame, that spark just get shoved, like just shut down. Like it goes out. And like I, I, my, my purpose and my goal with what this podcast is, is I, I want more and more people to understand that there's more than just the number there. There's more to life. There's more to, to just 
you know, going through the day to day, there's more meaning behind it. And, and I, this world needs more leaders that have your mentality, Aaron, like having that approach and really being there and being okay with, you know, having a tough conversations. Cause from, from my perspective, if you're not having those direct, tough, tense conversations or whatever, you're doing that particular person an injustice. You're not, you're not preparing them. You're not giving them the feedback that's actually going to help them develop. And if you're just feeding them a spoonful of sugar the whole time, you're, you're actually hindering their growth more than anything else. And so it's, there's so many dynamics, so many different aspects of being an effective leader that it does to your comment. It just takes, it takes time, but focus time, focused effort, getting the mentorship, reading the books, applying the different things and being okay with, with failure, understanding that, you don't learn from success. You can build habits from success, but your best learnings always come from when shit doesn't work out. It's, right. it's the ability to bounce back and apply what you've learned into the next situation, but you have to be okay with failing. You have to be okay with trying something and, not, and it not working and knowing you can try again. Um, and, I, and I legitimately don't, I have not seen enough organizations, companies, departments that give their people enough room to do that just we want so much so fast very little patience and it's just perpetuating this era of fast fail remove like copy paste that doesn't develop their people um and so i'm hoping that we can have more people slow down a little bit take a deep breath and look at the situation from their team's perspective and remove themselves, detach themselves from the outcome and really focus on the person that they're really trying to help. And I think that will will take some time, but it, it really will have the impact that we need to see in not not just in business, but in the world. Because we can yep. if we can truly develop more and more leaders to have that kind of mindset going into these situations, then there will just be a positive compound effect like you said. Well don't take that leadership job unless you know that there's clear alignment that that's the priority. Right. That, that's the difference between I'm taking a job because I want my career to look like this yeah. versus I'm okay with my career doing this to then find the right opportunity that allows me to rocket ship. Yeah. Not just from a career perspective, but it's the right fit. And when you feel great at work, right, you yeah. do better work. Yeah. Just like the people work for you. When the, when you when you feel good at work, you know, they'll do better work for you. Yeah. So hundred percent. Well uh, I gotta jump. Yep. I gotta another call yeah no i was gonna say let's let's you know let's wrap this up if anyone wants to reach out to you to get some advice or hear more about anything that you have to say on this subject like where's the best place for them to reach you yeah linkedin is probably the best place to start and uh, please connect with me on linkedin you know let's talk leadership or let's talk sales uh, happy to chop it up anytime i mean my calendar is and having put myself out a few of these times like yeah. my, my calendar now gets kind of I can't do too many of them in a week, but I will yeah. definitely make 15 to 20 minutes for anybody who wants because I just think that's part of the process. Yeah, 100%. So, LinkedIn's a great place. It's been great, man. I love reconnecting with you. And if you ever need anything from me, you know, I'll be there for you. Likewise, Dwayne. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. Okay, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sales Leader Network as much as I did. Make sure you send it to a few of your friends. Take a screenshot and copy the link to this episode so you can share it on social media. It's on each of us to spread the power of what true leadership has on the people around us. I truly hope you were able to get value out of today's episode and look forward to seeing you again on the next one.